The next slide. <laughs> You're doing an awesome job on the desk. Uh, just a few technical problems that we're having today. So we're, we're, we're still using that framework of a triangle. So we started off thinking about the upward dimension, hearing God for ourselves. Then it was in. So this idea of he hearing God for each other in, in a church community. We're going to spend a little bit of time this afternoon thinking about the outward dimension. So um, hearing God... Uh, for the world, basically. So let me just scroll through. There we go. So um, now, when we start to think about out, when we think about mission, evangelism, however we want to describe it, I know that for some of us, there are a lot of challenges, aren't there? And when we think about the, the prophetic and going out, that, that's, that can be quite challenging. Um, you know, how do we put those things together? How do we take this wonderful gift of prophecy and take it into the, the world? And if you're anything like me, you'll be thinking, well, you know, up, yeah, I love spending time in God's presence, that's all wonderful, in, yeah, I get that, you know, I like spending time with my, uh, spending time with my church family, I can hear God for my fellow Christians, but taking the gift of prophecy out into the world, hearing God for non-Christians, what might that look like? And I know that if I'm honest, I'm not a natural evangelist. I love evangelists, um, but I, it's not my natural bent. But I do know that all the gifts that God has given me can be used to extend his kingdom. So what does it look like for me, somebody who's used to hearing God in church, but wants to start hearing God for the world out there, for people who don't yet know Jesus? What can that look like? Um, but we want to be balanced people, don't we? So it's an important question. And in terms of growing a healthy prophetic culture in our churches, we need to make sure that there is an outward dimension to this whole journey of listening prayer and hearing God. And this is something that we've experimented over the years um, with in our church in Sheffield. We've done all sorts of stuff. Um, and I'll, I'll share one or two stories with you in, in a few minutes. But it, it is really important. And kind of taking a bit of a step back and just reminding ourselves as the theological background to this, um, the theological perspective, is that phrase, missio dei, you know, that the mission of God. I don't know if, if you're familiar with that, missio dei. And the idea that mission is not merely an, an, an activity of the church, but it's an attribute of God. You know, God is a missional God. He's a missionary God. It's intrinsic to who he is. His purpose is to restore and heal the whole of creation. So, so when we think about mission, and by the way, I use the word mission in terms of broad 
outreach to those people who don't yet know Jesus. When I say mission, I'm not talking about going to a foreign mission field. I'm just talking about, you know, the, the great commission to go and make disciples. So, you know, we're, we're all missionaries in that wherever we, are, wherever we live, we want to be missional, don't we? We want to be outward looking. And, and I know this is a church which has got a real heart to become a missional church. So, Mission, when, when we think about mission, we need to understand mission as God's mission. It's something that's initiated and sustained by God himself. And we are God's agents of mission in the world. It, it's God's work. So actually, at the end of the day, mission is finding out what God is doing, what God is already doing, and then we just go and join in which actually takes a lot of the pressure off. You know, so a town like Bridge North, Lord, what are you already doing in this town? Listening for the answer and then going and joining in with what he's doing. Um, and I, I want to spend a few minutes considering prophetic mission in relation to three broad areas. So it's, it's these words that are on the screen at the moment. So the first of these is about discerning the harvest fields. So this idea of Holy Spirit-led mission, where we see where God is at work. As, as Jesus says in John 4, verse 35, don't you have a saying, it's still four months until harvest. I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. They are ripe for harvest. There are mission fields in Bridge North and in the surrounding area that are ripe for harvest. And if mission is about finding out what God is doing and joining in, then we first have to discern what he is doing. What is he doing? And we do that through intentionally listening to him, looking through looking at society around us through the eyes of the Holy Spirit. So, you know, as we drive through this town, as we walk through this town, as we work in this town, Lord, show me what you're doing. Show me where you are at work. It's about developing our spiritual sight. And of course, we know that the, the physical world is not the only reality. So the world that we experience through our physical eyes, physical ears, etc., etc., is just one part of reality. There's also the spiritual world, isn't there? Um, and, if disciples, and, and as disciples of Jesus, we need to be engaging with both realities. So we're not just seeing the material, physical, but we're seeing the spiritual. We're, we're learning how to see into the kingdom, learning to discern what God's doing, perceiving his kingdom with eyes of faith and expectancy. So, you know, one of the things that we might do in Sheffield is to, I mean, Sheffield's a very, very hilly place. So one of the things we might do, I, I did this last year with a few friends, was go, go, go climb a hill overlooking the city and just start listening and praying. And, you know, Lord, show us where you're at work. Show us your kingdom breaking out. Um, and that's just a way of really aligning our hearts and minds with what God's doing. So we have to learn how to see. Second aspect is prophecy as a 
tool in evangelism. So this is about taking this gift of prophecy that we've been talking about today, practicing today, and using it to share God's love with people who don't yet know him. So it's about speaking, speaking. And the Holy Spirit does want to speak through us to those who are lost. He wants to speak through us to wake people up to the reality that God is alive and that God loves them. It's about channeling God's words to those who are in darkness. And the thing is, if you can hear God for your Christian friends, then you can definitely hear him for your non-Christian friends. It's just you might need different language and a different approach as you step out and do that. We, we, we need to learn how to share revelation in an unchurchy way. Um, but the gift of prophecy is a very effective tool on the mission field. Um, and, and as long as we you know, do all the things that we've been learning about, as long as we make sure we're motivated by love, we're keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus, we're doing it from a place of rest and peace, then we can very easily start to share words with non-Christian friends as long as we do it in an unchurchy way. Um, so, you know, something I've, I've done, you know, just think recently, I've, uh, I've got a friend called Lucy. She's not a Christian, though she's fascinated by Jesus. And, you know, I just remember a few months ago, I was praying for her one day, and a, a few verses from one of the Psalms popped into my head, and I really had that sense from the Lord, just share it with Lucy. So I just put it on a WhatsApp message. Lucy, I was just, you know, thinking of you today, and I was thinking about these beautiful words from the Psalms, and I'm just sending them to you today, and I hope they bring you some joy. And, you know, she, she, she messaged me back and said, oh, what beautiful words. Thank you so much for sharing them with me. That's just a tiny little, you know, thing I, I did that day. But that's a very safe, easy way to start sharing words with our non-Christian friends. Um, and I'll just mention briefly um, what we'd call a word of knowledge. So I'm sure you know, quite a few of you are, are, are aware of what a word of knowledge is. But a word of knowledge is like a specific bit of information that, um, that God would give us for somebody. So in a church context, you know, we might have a word of knowledge for healing. So something we do at the start of every service uh, well, before each service starts in Sheffield, we listen to God, Lord, you know, um, uh, who, yeah, what, what, what are you saying today? And sometimes we get words of knowledge for specific healing. So, you know, somebody might have the sense of perhaps a pain in a shoulder and then we'll share it. Is there anybody here today who's got a, a sore shoulder? And then we'll pray for those people. So that, that's how we use words of knowledge in our church. But words of knowledge are very powerful out, out and about in the world. And we see a great example of this in the life of Jesus in John 4. You know, the Jesus and the woman at the well. And it's such a prophetic story, this, isn't it? You know, Jesus, the prophet, challenging the status quo, um, you know, talking to a woman, talking to a Samaritan woman. You know, you, you just didn't do that. Um, and he was speaking prophetically to her of her future. 
And the impact of Jesus' words that day led to revival, you know, in her part of the world. But it all started with a word of knowledge, you know, the man that you are currently married, you know, the man you're currently with is, is not your husband, you know, you've had five, five husbands. And that's just a brilliant example from the life of Jesus of speaking prophetically to somebody and the end result was revival. Amazing story. And um, it, it's worth reflecting, I think, that the world needs the true prophetic. Um, you've probably noticed that spirituality has become more and more mainstream. So you go into any bookshop these days, there'll be shelves and shelves on the occult, on witchcraft, you know, on the wrong kind of angels. Um, police are using mediums and psychics to find criminals, you know, mediums are on daytime television. It, that, that whole area of whether you call it the occult, the new age, whatever you call it, it's become more and more mainstream. And um, the wrong sort of prophetic coming from the wrong source is getting more and more visible and accessible in society. Because I think at the end of the day, people are so hungry for a true sense of destiny and purpose, aren't they? You know, as, as church attendance has, has, has um, slipped so much and so few people now are attending church, so few people have any idea of who Jesus is, there's still this hunger in their hearts of spiritual reality, but they're looking for God in the wrong place. Um, but rather than being frightened about this, we should see it as an opportunity. We should see it as an opportunity. So God's people should be out there in the world offering the true prophetic, shouldn't we? Um, and through that, we can connect people to the Father's heart. I, I had a friend a few years ago, you know, highly intelligent woman, um, good friend of mine, not a Christian, and she phoned. Uh, she was at a real crossroads in her life, and she phoned me up one day to say, "Oh, Kath, I've just been to have my tarot cards read," and I, I was so shocked. <laughs> um, but. To cut a very long story short, I basically said, well, I believe God speaks today. I'm going to go away and listen to God for you, see what he says. So I did, phoned about, this is what I think God is saying. And actually, she, she listened to my words and, and made the decisions that needed to be um, made based on, on based on what I felt God was saying to her. But that was just a little glimpse for me that... You know, so many people are running after these things. So we need to be out there offering them an alternative um, and just be on the lookout for the spiritually hungry and think, well, how can I, how can God use me to bring the true prophetic, to speak words of life and hope and healing into these areas? So important. And then um, the third aspect of prophecy and mission is about living the message, about being a prophetic voice in the society around us. This is about incarnational mission. 
And it's not necessarily about speaking things out, but it's about living from the heart of God. It's about social justice, you know, being, being churches that speak out for justice and mercy and compassion. It's about standing up for the poor and oppressed, about challenging the status quo in society. And sometimes God will lead us towards quite radical lifestyles, quite radical prophetic actions, where we demonstrate God's kingdom by the way we live our lives. And if we are carriers of a, of a prophetic message, then we need to consider to what extent we're called to incarnationally live it out um, so that we are like a, a visible sign, a visible symbol in society of the good news. And as I said earlier, I think one of the most prophetic things um, our church do is we have this huge ministry we put a lot of resources into reaching um, the, the the most vulnerable people in society you know we have so many different things we do from food bank to like um, life skills training to helping asylum seekers but for me that's a prophetic symbol that God's heart is burning passionately for the most vulnerable in society I'm just going to share um, just uh, three practical examples of things that's happening in Sheffield when we think about this whole area of prophecy and mission, you know, the outward dimension to hearing God. So, so the first one is, it's all to do with Chinese New Year, actually. So um, I, I help lead what we call a missional community. So it's like a mid-sized group. There's probably, if we were all there, there'd probably be about 35 of us. And our missional focus has been to reach out to internationals. And in Sheffield, we, you know, it's a very multicultural city. We have tens of thousands of international students, a lot of Chinese students. And, and as a community, we've been really looking at ways to reach out to them. And um, two or three years ago, we, we had a, a group of Chinese students who were regularly coming to, to our community. They were largely unchurched, you know, had no idea of anything to do with the Bible or Jesus or, or anything. But they, were, they, they saw that we were family and they loved that. So they came on, on, on a regular basis. And anyway, it was Chinese New Year, uh, 1 February. And we, we, we did a big, a big Chinese banquet uh, for them to kind of celebrate the fact it was Chinese New Year. And I felt a little prompting from the Holy Spirit to bring the prophetic in, into that event. And, you know, as I say, these are completely unchurched people. Um, so what I did, I, uh, I think there were about six of them who were, who were going to come to the, the meal. So I, I spent some time listening to God for each of them. And actually, it, it's quite a challenge writing a prophetic word for somebody with absolutely no church background. You know, you have to remove all the jargon, all the kind of, you know, symbolism that, that we automatically know what that means. So that was a little bit of a challenge. But anyway, I, I wrote these out in fairly simple English and I stuck them on some red card and I, I roll them up as little scrolls. So I made them look really nice. And halfway through the meal, we handed them out to our Chinese friends. 
And, and it was just simple words from the father's heart about who he was saying they were, you know, perhaps something about his call on their lives. And they absolutely loved it. You know, in fact, um, one or two of them, you know, took lots of photos and stuck them on Facebook afterwards. But that was just a really simple way of sharing the prophetic, sharing God's heart with a group of unchurched people. And um, they absolutely loved it. Um, and another example, something a little bit different. So um, one of our missional communities in our church, specifically um, the whole missional um, emphasis is on prophetic evangelism. So they spend a lot of time as a community practicing hearing God. And then on a regular basis, they're going out into the local park or onto the streets, sharing words of prophecy, um, you know, doing, if, if there's a big like festival, they'll take a tent and they'll, you know, invite people to come and get a spiritual blessing, you know, in a very kind of unchurchy way. But that's, that's their real focus and they're seeing some great things from there. And then the other thing I was just going to mention, could we have the next slide? I don't really want to try and touch that clicker. Um, oh, no, the one before that, it's a picture it's a picture of a I'll, I'll explain the background so um, a church that we're quite close to in Sheffield they've developed this wonderful way of using the prophetic in mission fantastic so they've they've had these cards made if God was alive what might he want to say to you and they hand these cards out at work, you know, in, in the playground, wherever they are. And they will be uh, some time slots that people can sign up for and come for what, what you might call a prophetic appointment. And there's a team that they've trained up and they do it in such an unchurchy way, so they don't even close their eyes when, when they're listening and praying for these people. But they're invited into you know, a, a room, there's two or three people there, and um, they, they just explain what they're doing. They believe that God's alive today, that he has great things to say. So we're just going to listen to God, we're going to share whatever we get with you. And they do that with their eyes open. <laughs> And, and yeah, they've seen some tremendous things happen through that. So, you know, unchurched people, non-Christians, fascinated by that question, fascinated by that question, who come along and receive prophetic ministry. So there are, there are just a few examples in Sheffield. Nathan, you were going to talk a little bit um, about one or two of the things you've been doing. Yes. Uh, so I'm from Leicester. And uh, we also have a missional community-style church, so lots of different groups uh, going out into the community. Um, with my young adults group, um, I was just trying to develop it a little bit with them and stretch them a little bit. So we were going out um, once a month and uh, looking for people to share the gospel. Actually, we were just asking them to pr uh, if we could pray with them first on the street. So going up to somebody and ask, can we just pray for you and bless you? Um, as, a, as a first step into evangelism, basically. And so, as it was really their first step, I said, well, let's just pray and see if we can ask God to lead us to the right people. So that's the first thing we did, more the discerning step. And so we've just been led to the people. And actually, it's interesting because um, a few months later, we met some of the guys that we'd prayed for in the streets at a sort of interfaith kind of dinner. These guys really interested in um, talking to Christians and meeting up with Christians again. And they said, oh, yeah, you prayed for us um, like three months ago. 
Um, so that led some really interesting conversations. Uh, as a staff team, uh, the staff team have been out on um, some weeks called Breakthrough Weeks where they've got into the street and actually they're a bit more um, up for the prophetic. So we would do something called treasure hunting where we'd sit and we'd ask God for locations to go to, um, to describe people to us and anything else unusual that he might want to bring to our attention. And then we'd go out and look for these people. And as the team have done that, they've been to places, they've actually been into businesses and asked the business person if they could pray for that place. And they've been really responsive to that. And they've said, you know, yeah, yeah, come and bless us, you know. And that's led to some very interesting um, connections as well. We did something very similar with the youth as well. And they, they've been really interested in, in, in doing this. And they've had a great time just going out and uh, finding people. I mean, I remember one time I was praying for them and I said, I've got an image of skeletons in the street <laughs> and um, I said and they seem to be dancing um, but it doesn't feel bad and, um, <laughs> and um, when they got out there because it's a city centre there was actually um, a dancing group and they were dressed like skeletons and they were just doing a dance <laughs> so they went there and they started praying for these guys as well uh, so that was really cool uh, and then um, we did the art, I showed you about the art, so that was again, we went out and with some guys and we did some street art, and then again, just engaged with people around the street art, but asking God for the images first. And there was a time when we did, we do these things every few months called questions, where it's a topic-based night, um, very creative, lots of different um, elements, film, drama, uh, talks around a topic. And this one was about life dreams, you know, you're sort of, what do you want to do with your life? And it's all for non, non-Christians, really. And as part of one of these, for the Life Dreams one, we offered prophetic appointments um, afterwards. And we just said, you know, there's a group of guys who, you know, really believe God wants to say things. If you'd like to, um, come at the end and we will uh, listen for you and write things down for what we think God is saying. And several non-Christians, several non-church people came to that and uh, managed to get input from God into their lives. So, um, you know, it's it's a really, really interesting thing to do. Thanks, Nathan. And, and I think it's worth remembering, isn't it, that often people's journey to faith, journey to actually meeting Jesus, is a long, slow process. And we might get to be a little part of that process. And sharing a word from the Father's heart with them will often be a key step. We, we might not see the end point, you know, what, when, when they fully commit to the Lord. But just these little things of meeting somebody in the street, somebody giving them a word can be an incredibly significant step towards a real encounter with Jesus. Okay. Um, how are we doing for time? Right. Could we have the next slide? Wonderful. So I just want to share these three simple principles with you as we think about the outward dimension of the prophetic. The first is about revealing the Father. So, as disciples of Jesus, we of course need to be living from the heart of God. And there's that very simple way of describing prophecy, which is prophecy is simply revealing the heart of the Father. God is incredibly good and we, we just want to reveal that heart. We want to reveal that goodness to people. And if we think about the ministry of Jesus, you know, Jesus came to this earth for very many important reasons, didn't he? But a primary reason that Jesus came to this earth was to reveal the Father. 
And he gave us a true picture of what the Father is like. He came to be the visible manifestation of the invisible God. As, um, as it says in John 1.18, no one has ever seen God, but God, the one and only, who is at the Father's side, has made him known. Jesus came to reveal the Father. And Jesus was the most prophetic person who has ever lived on earth because he revealed who the Father is and what his relationship with him is like. You know, there's no greater prophecy than that, is there? Um, you know, Jesus could say, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. There's no greater prophetic statement than that. There's no prof greater prophetic message than Jesus saying, you know, this is the Father. This is what the Father's like. And Jesus lived from the heart of God. He had a passion for God's heart. He was profoundly connected to God's heart. And in our own relationship with the Lord, the invitation is always to go deeper into his heart so that we can have his compassion for people, so that we can pray as he is praying, and so that we can see what he's doing and go and join in. So as, as we're thinking about reaching out to people who don't yet know Jesus... Um, let's have that perspective of, well, I'm just revealing the Father to them. I'm just revealing the Father to them. And as we do that, two good questions to ask ourselves are, am I, am I actively seeing people as the Father sees them? You know, am I actively speaking to people as the Father speaks to them? So, you know, even you're in Tesco's at the checkout. How would the Father right now be talking to the person on the checkout? In a business meeting, how would the Father be talking to this person across the desk from me? How can we demonstrate the Father? And then... Second question, how can I represent God's heart, God's nature with my words and actions? Whatever I'm doing, how can I make sure I am representing the Father through what I do? So that's that first simple principle, revealing the Father. Secondly, partnership with the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is the one who brings us revelation. He's the spirit of truth and revelation. And so a listening lifestyle, a, li a listening lifestyle is going to involve closer and closer fellowship and friendship with the Holy Spirit. And not only will he reveal things to us, but he will also send us out because he's the ultimate prophetic missionary. Um, his goal is to send us out on the mission of Jesus. He empowers us for mission. And, um, you know, there's an element of our relationship with the Holy Spirit that rather than asking him what he can do for us, actually asking him the question, what can I do for you today, Holy Spirit? I'm, I'm trying to develop a, a rhythm, a lifestyle of every day, saying, okay, Holy Spirit, how can I keep in step with you today? What can I do for you today, Holy Spirit? And the Holy Spirit, he's already at work in our communities. So we, we just need to be following him into our communities and intentionally joining in with what he's doing. Now, 
before we get on to that third point, we're going to do a little, little exercise. And you all need a piece of paper. So you can either do, if you've brought a notebook, you can use that. There are lots of pieces of paper and pens down there. So we're going to start off doing this by ourselves. Um, and then we'll, after we've done this exercise, we'll, we'll go for a quick coffee break. So what I'd like you to do is get a piece of paper or a page in your notebook. And anybody need a piece of paper? Everybody got something? And then what I'd like you to do, in the middle of that piece of paper, in quite big letters, is write, well, if you live in Bridge, if you live in Bridge North, write Bridge North. If you live in another town, you, you might want to write that down. But um, write the name of your town in the middle of a piece of paper. And then, this is a slightly cheesy bit, I want you to put a heart around it. And in a moment, in, in the quiet, we're going to ask the Lord two questions about Bridge North or about whichever town you've got written down. And we're going to ask, further, first of all, Father, what do you love about our town? So we're, we're starting off from that place of the Father's heart. You know, Father, what do you love about our town? And then the second question Holy Spirit, where are you at work in our town? Because, well, as I've been saying, we want to have eyes to see. So, Father, what do you love about our town? And then, Holy Spirit, where are you at work in our town? So, let's just pray a moment, and then I'll give you a bit of time to do this. So, Lord, thank you for the place that you've called us to live at this time. Lord, I thank you today for Bridge North. Father, thank you that there are many things that you love about this town. And thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are already at work. Lord, we pray now for eyes to see and ears to hear. Come and show us your heart and your work in this town, we pray. Amen. So, we'll, we'll start... Good. Um, I've been encouraged, even just in the coffee break, hearing um, a couple of testimonies from people who've been so blessed today by God speaking to them. And that's just, you know, an, another reminder that let's keep doing this stuff because people get so blessed through it. I just want to, just for a little bit, talk about this idea of people of peace, people of peace. Who's heard of that phrase? Anybody? Oh, quite a few people. Great. Perhaps about a third or half of people. So this is basically Jesus's strategy for evangelism as he lays it out in Luke chapter 10. And he's instructing, in, in verses 1 to 16, he's instructing the 72 
in how to prepare people in the towns and villages ahead of Jesus' visit. So Jesus was about to go out and go around the towns and villages. And ahead of that, Jesus sends out the 72 to prepare the way for him. And Jesus describes this strategy all based on finding the, the person of peace. And the essence of this strategy of Jesus is we center our mission around the person of peace. We find the person of peace and then we center our, our, our ministry and our mission around that person. So Jesus, he commissions, commissions the 72 to go ahead of him to proclaim the coming kingdom of God. And then he gives them directions on how to proceed. So he says, when you enter a house, first say, peace to this house. If a man of peace is there, your peace will rest on him. If not, it will return to you. And Jesus goes on to kind of describe who this person of peace is. And, and the person of peace was somebody who would welcome these disciples of Jesus into their home, who was open to the message that they, they were carrying, and who served them, who served them. So look for the person of peace. That's what Jesus says. And in, in verse 7, he says, Stay there eating and drinking whatever they give you. Do not move around from house to house. Now, as a church over the last many years, we have been taking this, this teaching, this strategy, this people of peace strategy, and kind of digging deep into it, exploring it, looking at what it means. And it has borne so much fruit in the life of our church. Because Jesus' message to his disciples is basically, as we are walking around, you know, going about our day-to-day -day business, look, be on the lookout for the person of peace. And then when you find the person of peace, stay with them. That, that's the heart of what Jesus is saying. So, so who is this person of peace and how do we recognize him or her? Well, very simply, a person of peace is somebody who welcomes you, who likes you. So that's good, isn't it? That's, uh, you know, that, that's, that's a good place to start. Somebody who welcomes you and who likes you. Somebody who, who likes your message. So there's an openness there. They, they may never have heard of Jesus, but there's something about your message that they can connect to. So it's not a completely shut door. There's, there's something that they like. And they want to serve you in some way. So actually, if you take this as Jesus' key strategy for evangelism, it actually makes evangelism sound really easy, doesn't it? I just have to look out for people who like me and let them serve me and let them, let them feed me. I could do that. Um, so so an, an example in my life um, is a Chinese student called Alice. So I, I was describing before the break about how as, how as a community we'd been reaching out to international students. And one of the, one of the first... Chinese students we met was, was this girl called Alice who was over in Sheffield doing a postgraduate course and she 
straight from the get-go was so excited to meet us you know we invited her to come to our missional community she came she not only came but she kept bringing all sorts of other Chinese students and every time she came she'd bring food and she was an amazing cook and and over the course of about two possibly three years Alice basically became part of our family you know we went round to her house lots of times had the best Chinese food and and before she went back to China um, she came and lived with us for a few weeks while she was, you know, she was without somewhere to live. She, she actually came in and, and, and lived with us. My kids got on with her really well. It was so easy. And she was really open to the gospel. So um, we ended up doing a discovery Bible study with Alice and her group of Chinese friends. So a discovery Bible study, I don't know if you've come across that idea, but it, it's a really simple tool for sharing the Bible with, mainly with people who don't yet know Jesus. And you just open, we, we, we went through John's Gospel. Um, in fact, if you Google seven signs in John's Gospel, um, oh, I can't remember the... I'll think of the name of the person who's written it. But I, yeah, it's, it's quite easy to find. And it's just you, each time you meet, you, you read a passage from John's Gospel, um, all based around one of the signs in John's Gospel, one of the miracles of Jesus. And you, so what we used to do, we'd, we'd read it in English first, then they would read it in Chinese, because we managed to get some Chinese Bibles. Then everybody would close their Bible and they'd have to try and retell the story. And then you ask them four very, very simple questions. So what does this story tell you about God, about Jesus, about people? What are you going to do in response? You know, those sorts of simple questions. And it was a wonderful time of looking afresh at the gospel stories through the eyes of a completely unchurched person. I, you know, the, most, the most fun I've had for donkey's years. Um, and as a result of that, uh, one, you know, halfway through this, the Discovery Bible study process, one of the people became a Christian. In, in, in one of the weeks, um, I had the privilege of leading her to Jesus. And, and even though the rest of them didn't quite get to that stage of commitment, you could see they, they were absolutely fascinated uh, by the person of Jesus. So it was a great thing to do. And Alice... She, she was hosting it. So, you know, she's, she was such a clear person of peace. She liked us. She liked our message. Uh, she fed us. She literally fed us. And she served us. Um, it, was, it was really, really great. And then she, she, she went back to China. I'm still in touch with her. Um, but there are people of peace everywhere. And it's these people that the Holy Spirit has already been working in. That's why there's an openness. That's why they're, they're open to receive the message. It's not a really, really big, thick door that you have to hammer down. The door's already partly open. You just have to be on the lookout for, for people. But in order to do that, to be realistic, we need to be out there in the world, don't we? We, we need to make sure that we, we're meeting people that, that we're not stuck in our holy huddles as church. You know, we, we're not spending all our time in church, but we're out in the world on the lookout for people of peace. And then when we find them, as Jesus says, stay with them. You know, build a community around them. Um, invest in these people. That's the strategy of Jesus. 
Um, and of course, we can start to listen to God for them as well and share prophetic words with them. So that, that's just um, this, this third key principle about being on the lookout for people of peace. So we have, we're coming into land now. So we have, let's just recap the journey. We've, we've talked this morning about how fundamentally, because of our covenant identity in God, we can all learn to hear his voice for ourselves. You know, we are all sheep in Jesus's flock. He's the good shepherd. He promises that we will hear his voice. It's for everybody. It really is for everybody. Then we've looked at the inward dimension about how we can start to hear God for each other and how that's a wonderful, powerful gift, a gift that has so much potential for good in the church and you know, something we were talking about last night. Um, a lot of the time we're hearing God for another person, but sometimes we're hearing God for a group of people. Sometimes we're hearing God in a church service. We're hearing God for the whole church. But there's all sorts of different ways that we can learn to hear God for other people. And it's a wonderful, wonderful gift. And then this afternoon, we've just started to think about what would it look like to hear God for people outside the church, for people who don't yet know Jesus. And we practice here so that we can take the very word of God out onto the streets. So what, what we're going to do in our last little bit of time is I'd just like to create a little bit of time for, re for reflection first. And just by yourself, in your notebook, in your journal, on a piece of paper, on your iPad, whatever, I'd, I just want you to write two things down. So the first thing is what do you need to leave behind today? What do you need to leave behind? It could be a fear, it could be an ungodly way of thinking, it could be something maybe that you've been believing but you know actually it's not true. So whatever it is, what do you need to leave behind today? And then the second thing I want you to write down is what are you going to take away from today? What truth, what action, uh, what hope, what belief are you going to take away from today? So I'd love it if you could just think about those two and write them down. <clears throat> 